Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. I hope everyone is keeping their sanity as we move through the holiday season. You know, yesterday we had a surprise visit from family for the day. They were visiting from out of town and going through different areas of the state of Florida, and they stopped by to have lunch with us, late lunch, early dinner, whatever you want to call it, and we just had a really nice time together. And afterwards, I found myself thinking that the little moments that we spend with friends and family, it doesn't always have to be in person. Sometimes it's even through email or on the phone or something like that. These are the things we often remember for years and years to come. Things that not only put a smile on our face and make us feel good at the time, but when we recall these things down the line, it still has that same effect. And so I hope you take some time to appreciate the little things as we prepare to close out the year. So today's episode is brought to you by the Digital Strategist Newsletter. It's available right now at jimsnewsletter.com. This episode is also brought to you by onetomanysystem.com. And this is a combination of business plan and marketing strategy that allows you to scale your business without needing a team or full-time employees to manage all the moving parts. I can almost guarantee that if you watch this webinar, it will change the way you see the potential of your business and possibly what the future of your business may look like. So go ahead, if you haven't already done so, and check that out at onetomanysystem.com. So this week, I was thinking about the fact that some of the best courses and training products that are out there today are probably made by people that most of you have never heard of, or people that don't have what you might call a recognizable name. Now, these are knowledgeable people, but they don't have big ad budgets to work with, and they're doing all of the marketing themselves. And that presents them, obviously, with some challenges, and I'm sure most of you can relate to this. Some of these challenges may not be as obvious as others, and so as a result, the solution to some of these challenges, likewise, is not always as obvious as you think it should be. For example, one of my clients has what you might call or what you might consider to be a large business, large company. That is until you see who her competitors are. Her competitors, or at least some of her competitors, are what you consider to be national or international brands. But that said, she's experienced enough and she's been doing this long enough, running her business, to enjoy the kind of success that's afforded her and her family a better lifestyle than most. But still, she's in what is inarguably a high-stress situation because thanks to her competitors, she's not in a place where she can put things on cruise control and relax. And I know certain professions are just like that in the world today. They're high-stress and there's no way around it. But still... A lot of times you learn to manage stress or some people can manage stress a lot better than others. Let's just put it that way. I know someone who just retired from the medical field. They were a surgeon and I forgot what type of doctor he was, but I remember seeing him before he retired last year and this year and having conversation with him and he seemed like a completely different person. 
Having retired from the medical industry, it seemed like an entire weight was just removed off of his shoulders. Now, I can imagine that if you're performing surgery on someone, that that is probably the epitome of high stress because someone's life is really right there in your hands at that moment. And even though you have a team of people working with you, your decisions can literally be in the moment, life and death decisions that you're going to make. And I don't know, I don't think it matters how long you've been doing it. I think that each case would be unique because each person is unique. And although there are similarities, I would imagine that, again, this is not the kind of stress that a lot of people would choose to have in their lives or in their careers if other options were more appealing to them. So that's just a long way of saying that some of us are cut out for certain types of stress a lot better than others are, and vice versa. I mean, there's things that I find extremely stressful that some of my friends find enjoyable and relaxing. So like that old saying goes, you know, the different strokes for different folks. But if you're in a business and you're running a high-stress business and you're able to cope with it, there may come a day when you just decide that enough is enough and you sell that business. And that's very common. We see that happening a lot here. But even so, she's in that position now where she's managing the stress, she's enjoying her life, she's found the balance, something that's very hard for a lot of people to do, and I think this is a great place here to just interject a boxing analogy, because looking at her business being small compared to the giants in her industry, she's facing a lot of the tests, trials, and dilemmas that you are as a small business owner, and everything is relative because a lot of you are competing or appear to be competing against competition that has uh, much deeper pockets when it comes to ad budgets and the ability to manage multiple social profiles, video production, graphic design, and all of those things. And you feel like it's just a never-ending situation in which you're always struggling to keep up. But you didn't get into this business to have this big conglomerate, to build this huge corporation. Your main motivation, and I know a lot of you, a lot of people, even today, are getting out of the corporate sector into the small business sector because, number one, it's a fact now that people live longer when they enjoy what it is that they're doing on a daily basis, when they enjoy their work. They're happier. Their relationships are better. I mean, it's just a domino effect of things. And I know there's people that will sacrifice everything in order to make money on the exact opposite side of the scale. But we want to look at the small business person who needs to experience a greater level of success but finds themselves in a very competitive marketplace and maybe you're more or less at a loss at what to do next because it seems like your efforts are, aren't even putting a dent in your obstacles as far as attracting new clients and customers, um, reaching a new part of the market that you haven't already uh, been exposed to. All of those things that we see happening in daily business. That's why I said this is a good, good spot right here for a marketing analogy, or excuse me, a boxing analogy. Now, in boxing, there are weight classes, but every once in a while, we see a David versus Goliath type of situation where someone fights above their natural weight. Can you see where I'm going with this? Against a naturally bigger, stronger opponent. 
Now, back in the mid-80s, Michael Spinks at the time was one of the great light heavyweight champions. He was an Olympic gold medalist back in 1976. And as he went through his career, he became better and stronger and more capable. And by the time that he was nearing the peak of his career, he was considered by many experts to be one of the best in his division ever. Now, the weight limit for his division was 175 pounds, same as it is today, but for the heavyweights, there was no weight limit. So having conquered his division, in 1985, he decided that he was going to make his move and attempt to do something that all of his light heavyweight champion predecessors had failed to do. And I'm talking about unseat, defeat, the reigning heavyweight champion of the world had never been done before in all of boxing history. Now imagine this, imagine yourself, you're in a boxing ring against an opponent who is bigger and stronger than you are. What will your strategy be? I know a lot of people wouldn't even have a strategy. They'd just be overwhelmed and they'd just go in there flailing. And what would the result be? Well, they'd probably just get knocked out pretty, pretty quickly. It wouldn't be much of a fight. So when you really think about it, do you stand much of a chance by going toe-to-toe and just slugging it out in the hopes of landing a miraculous punch? Right? Probably not. Some of you may say, well, that's a fight I would never get into. Or I don't like fighting. I, you know, I don't blame you. No one enjoys getting hit. But if you're in the fight game, then you're going to have to learn how to throw punches, take punches, and create a strategy. Now, if you're in the business, a lot of people don't like competing. They just like doing whatever their craft is. They like putting their information out there. And they don't want to be in a spot where you know, they have to focus a lot on advertising and marketing. But just like the fight, the fight game itself, there are things that you have to do if you're going to be successful in that game. And the business game is no different. There are things that you have to learn how to do. Now, one of the things is, and the reason why I love boxing as an analogy, because that one-on-one sport, that whole combat element that's involved there, strategy. You know, one of the things they call boxing, one of the labels that has been on it for years, some people call it the sweet science, right? Because if you're a smaller person and you're in that ring against a larger, taller, more muscular, somebody that has all the physical advantages over you, then what what do you have to do? You have to use speed. You have to use movement and timing to hit and not get hit. That's one of the reasons, again, why they call it the sweet science, because you can outpoint a larger opponent. You can beat them, right? Now, if we apply this to business, if you're competing against a larger company, likewise, you can't go toe-to-toe with them when it comes to ad budgets, when it comes to marketing power, when it comes to all of these things that you see a business doing in whatever marketplace they're in, because if you did that, you'd be out of business within 30 days. You just couldn't afford to run that many Facebook ads or to run that many Instagram ads or you don't have the manpower to be posting on all of these platforms the way they do it. That's the key. You can do it, but you can't do it the way they do it. And unless you have a strategy, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself... um, in a place where you just can't make any headway, where you just can't have any forward movement and you're just not able to move the needle because you're competing in such a way that all of your weaknesses are working against you. Now, as a smaller person, 
There are advantages that you have that a bigger person doesn't. Number one is speed. Number two is your smaller target. Right? We can go on and on and on. We can just look at what are the advantages of big? What are the advantages of small? And it would depend on the situation. Sometimes in certain situations, being bigger is an advantage. And there are certain situations where being smaller is an advantage. But sometimes you don't see that because in the world we live in, bigger is always considered to be better. And people make that statement and they assume that without really giving it much thought. So we want to look at this a little closer today because I think that most businesses, most small businesses have a mindset where maybe they're not really thinking it through, but they're more or less standing toe-to-toe with bigger competitors and they're not able to budge them. They're trying to slug it out with the bigger business. So while there are similarities between when we look at business in general, big businesses selling similar products and services, small businesses selling similar products and services, how they go about it, what kind of experience they bring to the table or to the marketplace or to the people doing business with them is much different. And there's also places a small business or a small freelance or solopreneur can go because of their size, so to speak, that a large business can't. So when we really focus in on this, let me talk about one of the things that I see. And when I say a small business or a freelancer or solopreneur can go places that a large business can't, what I mean by that is for them, there just isn't enough ROI or return on investment that makes fighting certain battles worth their time. So if I'm, a, if I'm thinking about these video games where you see, I see them on social media advertised sometimes where you have this little army and there's a big army and you have to figure out how to beat them. Well, you know, in real life, you're not going to put yourself, or historically speaking, unless you had no other choice, unless your back was against a wall, you don't want to put yourself in a place where your little army is having to come face to face with a big army that has more supplies, more men, more of everything, right? That's a battle you don't want to fight. Likewise, in the business world, this is the same type of mentality. You don't want to find yourself in a fight with another company that has more than you do. You want to fight the battles and on the terrains that it's not worth it for them to move all of their resources and all their focus and all their energy there. Here's the thing about big, right? Big takes what? More fuel to keep going. Big needs more food, right? A bigger army, it takes more food, more supplies, more water, more of everything to keep it healthy and vibrant. Big business is no different takes more resources, more money, more return on advertising dollars spent to keep that business successful. And so they're not going to go after some of the targets that might be a perfect fit for you because there's just not enough return on that investment to go ahead with that kind of strategy, to go after that kind of target. But for you, it's more than worth your time to go after certain types of targets because the return on investment Right? They may have to feed, I don't know, maybe a department is doing a certain thing in a project, big company. Maybe there's, I don't know, five, ten people in that department. So that company has to feed five or ten mouths every week, every month. 
And so they choose their targets accordingly. Whereas you, you may only have to feed one or two mouths. So that uh, the same target is a perfect fit for you. And the fact that you're going after it and they're not means that you don't have to compete with them. Do you, do you get where I'm going with this? And so a lot of times what we do is that we know where, where all of the popular targets are, where all of the quote-unquote big fish are. And what we're doing is we're taking $5 in an effort to reach the same target that a bigger business is spending $1,000. Uh, for every $5 that we're spending, they're spending 1000 Can you see why that it's just such, uh, it's like an insurmountable obstacle when you fight dollar for dollar when you're in that kind of a situation. And one of my clients, actually a few of my clients, found themselves in similar positions where they're competing for keywords and they're competing for um, advertising campaigns where their opponents are outspending them 10 to 1. And so now I understand why certain people would advertise in a certain place. Now, let me just look at advertising in general. And we could just, I'm just lumping the word advertising in with marketing and everything else right now because I just want to look at the, at the big 30,000 foot picture. Now, if every business, back in the day, if you weren't in the yellow pages, you weren't really considered to be a legitimate business. Just talking about local businesses, you would open up a phone book, there'd be phone numbers in there for some of you who are younger. You don't know about it, there, but there was a phone book around at one time, and there were white pages and yellow pages. The white pages had all the residential numbers. The yellow pages had the business numbers. And that's how you look things up. You don't look them up on a smartphone because we didn't have smartphones. And so to be a legitimate business, you had to be found in the, in the yellow pages. Well, you know, sometimes you see a big plumbing company, and they would have a full-page ad in there. And sometimes you see little individual plumbers. They would just have like three lines, like a little blurb several pages over. And, you know, we would think, well, who's in competition with who here? Is that little person with the three-sentence blurb trying to compete with the company that had the full-page ad? Well, no, oftentimes those large plumbing companies, and we could be talking about anything. We could be talking about electricians, any type of, of local service type business, air conditioning, roofers, you know, we can just go down the line, um, car dealerships, car... Um, yeah, agencies. And so, you know, they were looking for corporate accounts, corporate buyers. They weren't surviving on just, you know, a little person here who has a small one-bedroom house. They, they were looking for to do the bigger jobs, the commercial projects, and so on. And so the little plumber and the big plumbing company, both of them could exist in the same geographical location. Both of them could make money. Both of them could, both the individuals within the big company, as well as the one-person business in the small company, both of them could enjoy success. And so the great news is that today in the online world, your market is huge. And I know sometimes it feels like it isn't because you don't see people, well, you know, they're not knocking on your door necessarily calling on the phone anymore, but they're not connecting with you online. Let's just put it that way. Connecting is connecting, whether it happens by email or phone or somebody knocking on the physical door of your physical business. So you know the people are out there 
And matter of fact, you have access to more people, which gives you more potential than ever before at any other time in history. There are more people online today in 2022 than were online back in 2015. It's just a fact. There are more people doing business online today than ever before. And so all of the groundwork for you to have a successful online business, as far as the marketplace goes, it's there. Today, if you've been in business for any length of time, I'm going to assume that you have customers that bring regular income into that business and giving them your very best in terms of time, attention, ability, it's all well worth it to you. They're basically clients for life. A big company, however, would look at that same individual and only give that person a fraction of their time because that individual's worth to them, income-wise, is only a fraction to them of what it is to you. So with these things in mind, going into the new year, consider having a business and marketing strategy that's designed to benefit you as a smaller company, as a freelancer, or as a solopreneur. Let me give you some examples here. You're all familiar with the marketing funnel concept. You know visually what a funnel looks like. The largest part of that funnel is at the top, just like the physical funnel that you may find in your kitchen. The shape of the funnel also fits that old copywriting formula you may be familiar with. It's called ADA. You can look it up online, A-I-D-A. That stands for attention, interest, desire, and action. So most people write sales copy that way. They write marketing, newsletters, emails that way. Attention would take place in the subject line or in the headline if you're reading it on a, on a web page. But imagine this in a regular somebody shopping downtown type of scenario. Somebody's walking down the street in a city, let's say, with all the shop windows containing various things for sale, suddenly that person stops at one window and takes a second look. So what happened? Number one, something in that window or maybe the sign got their attention. If what they're looking at when they look through the window appears to be interesting, they may go inside to take a closer look, ask about the price or things like that. So they move from attention to interest and based on the questions they ask and the answers they get, or maybe the pricing, they may enter the desire stage, which of course can lead to the action stage they make the purchase. So the ADA formula has been used in marketing and sales for many, many years. And depending on what you're selling, it can be a slow moving process, sometimes even a slow grinding process, or it could be rapid fire. One thing happens right after another. But let me add this. Right now, some people, including myself, are applying this to our search engine marketing strategy, our SEM. Let me explain how this works. Search engine marketing, a little bit different than search engine optimization, but search engine optimization is just part of a search engine marketing strategy. I know there's a lot of acronyms out there, but take it for what it is. Most of the websites out there today are designed solely for people who are at the bottom end of the sales funnel, at the bottom end of the ADA framework, at the tail end of the buyer journey, whatever label you care to put on it. They are in the desire stage and ready to cross over into the action stage. Those are the type of people most people have in mind when they design their websites, when they put their campaigns out there. They ignore the people who are in that place where some interest needs to be generated, some attention needs to be generated. And so they focus on the immediate win, the quick win. Let me give you an example. How about a law firm? Have you ever been to a law firm website? Have you ever listened to a law firm 
commercial, watched it on TV, heard it on the radio or in a podcast, the audio. All of the law firm keywords that target people ready to hire an attorney cost a small fortune in ad spends. And some firms have it to spend, others don't. But they all target the people ready who want an attorney right now. And of course, there's a lot of competition to go after the words for an organic ranking. So whether you're trying to get there by creating content or whether you're trying to get there by spending ads, it's it takes a tremendous effort. But here's the point. All of these keywords, all of these phrases, all the targeting are focused at people at the bottom of the funnel. They're all focused on people who are in that desire stage and ready to cross over into action. And you can understand why. I mean, the bills that land on your desk today have to be handled in the not-too-distant future or the immediate future. You can't put them off for a year or so. So there's that. But the top part of the funnel or the top part of the buyer journey is where the attention and the interest have to be ignited. And very few people are targeting this crowd in their ad copy. Very few people are targeting this in their search engine optimization efforts or in their search engine marketing efforts. And so this is where tremendous opportunity is available for those of you who are willing to buy into this. And I'm trying to explain it in such a way so that it makes sense to you. These are the people at the top who will be your future customers, your future clients, your future income. The difference between you and the large company is, is that you're going to target people before they're ready to pull the trigger. And you're going to create a real connection with them through whatever type of content you create, whatever type of communication you have on social media. So when the time comes to buy, you've already established that. Whereas the larger competitor, merely focusing on getting people who are ready to take out their credit card today and purchase something today or something next week, maybe. Can you see the difference there? Can you see how that works? And I'm speaking in generality, so you're going to have to apply this to your specific use case. But can you see how this will work? If you spend some time targeting people who are at the top who aren't ready to buy yet with the intent on generating some interesting content for them, uh, attracting some attention, then go after the search terms that aren't as popular, what's going to happen? You're going to start getting more wins. You're going to start having more people, more possibilities, more subscribers, more interest. Now, you may not get them in like a landslide like you would if you go after them using some of the traditional marketing methods like product launches and things like that where you get a whole bunch of people in. But let's face it, the people that come in by hundreds and thousands a day, what happened? There was something emotional there. There was something time sensitive there. And a lot of those people aren't really true subscribers. They're not fans of your work or your business or your service or anything like that. You were just the excitement of that day. And unless you're communicating with them ongoing, giving them really interesting content, they're going to going to fall off. They're not going to read your emails. They'll unsubscribe. They'll move on to other things. And that's okay too. You're not for everyone. There's no single business where everyone is their ideal client, except for maybe like the water company or the electric company, right? We're all ideal clients for that kind of service. But yeah, we're not talking outlying situations. We're just talking about the average business situation. Now, let me conclude by saying a few things. I'm not saying that you shouldn't compete for whatever kind of business you really want to compete for. And I'm not even saying that you shouldn't take on a giant in your industry if it really makes sense to and you see a path to victory. I'm simply saying that if you spend some of your time 
targeting people at the top of what we're calling the funnel, people who aren't ready to buy yet, with the intent on generating some attention and inspiring a little bit of interest. And you go after some of the search terms that maybe aren't quite as popular. You'll start getting more wins. You'll see more subscribers and you'll start seeing an increasing number of people expressing interest in what you're doing in your business. No, it may not be like a tidal wave hitting you all at once, but it will come and it will begin to be more consistent. And believe me when I tell you this, the smaller wins add up too. They really do matter. Now, as a bonus, what I've learned is that the people who are just in that attention interest phase, even if they never take direct action themselves, they are more apt to refer you to friends and associates because you've become a familiar face to them. You're a familiar voice. They know who you are and they can open doors for you that you could never open on your own. You know that old saying, it's not what you know, but it's who you know? That saying is never more true than it is today. And as I said, you never know who's out there reading your content, watching your videos, or listening to your podcast. One connection can change the future of your business for the better forever. All right, let's go ahead and that's about all for today. We'll put the bookmarker in it there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. Back episodes are available there as well. Thanks again for listening. Your sharing of this podcast really does make it possible for me to reach people who otherwise I would probably never reach. So thanks again. Have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you later.